Amen. Amen. Yeah, the Bible's go ahead and turn to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 23. I meant to jump on Brother Sam tonight because he, he didn't teach this last Wednesday night and I, after I got to looking at it, I remember now why he didn't want to do this. It's got some content in it that we're going to have to look at and we'll, we'll keep it uh, rated PG, I promise. Actually, we'll keep it rated G. And so, uh, anyway, somebody, if you would, uh, read for me the first six verses of chapter 23, please. I got y'all scared to read now, don't I? No one is emasculated or has his male organ cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. No one of illegitimate birth shall enter the assembly of the Lord. None of his descendants, even to the tenth generation, shall enter the assembly of the Lord. No Amorite of Moabite shall enter the assembly of the Lord. None of their descendants, even to the tenth generation, shall ever enter the assembly of the Lord, because they did not meet uh, you with food and water on the way when you came out of Egypt, and because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Boar, Beor, from Pethor of Mesopotamia. To curse you. Nevertheless, the Lord your God was not willing to listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. You shall never seek their peace or their prosperity all your days. Okay, so we, we see some things here that uh, that excluded people from being able to join in worship with the congregation of Israel. And, uh, and, uh, and when you look at some of these things and, and you look at the first one, uh, no man would do that unless it was done by accident or in war but when it uh, when he become lesser of a man he was not allowed to uh, to be a part of that uh, of the worship and the congregation uh, of the Lord and so uh, he was treated differently from uh, a, a man who was healthy and normal and then it, it goes on to say an illegitimate child an illegitimate son or daughter, of course we're talking about it after they're grown, they should also not enter into the congregation of the Lord. And, uh, and, and he goes on to say, uh, even to ten generations past them, they were not able to go. And then he, he talks about the Ammonite and the Moabite, that they, they weren't allowed to, uh, to ever be part of the congregation of the Lord, uh, even to their tenth generation that they wouldn't be able to go in and worship with anybody, and it's because of something they had done in the wilderness journey when they denied Israel water and, and bread. And, and not only that, they didn't let them, want them to cross their, their territory. And that they were the ones who hired Balaam to come and put a curse on Israel. And, uh, and, and does it sound like the, the Lord holds a grudge Of the holy and pure righteous God, and it was done the way He said it's to be done, and He can't shy away from that. That's right, and and so he, I think it's not that He holds a grudge. I think that this is, uh, for one thing, He He is uh, 
and, and the first two, the illegitimate child, and we all know it, the child that was born illegitimate had no control over that. Uh, we also know the man that was wounded probably had no control over that either, and yet he considered them defiled. And, and, and they were really strict on anything that was defiled. If you'll remember, his call for, for the lamb of sacrifice, or even the bullock, or the heifer, all of them had to be perfect animals. They all had to be without spot, without blemish. They, uh, now every once in a while he would allow a, a female heifer uh, to, to be used, and he would use a bullock, and, but they, uh, most of the animals had to be of the first year, and they had to be really, uh, really the best animals. So he had this thing at that time about things that were defiled, and he even let that carry on in the worship. Now, does this mean they could not worship at all? No. It did not mean that. It did not mean they could not do their sacrifices. But what they couldn't do is come into the congregation where the, where the tabernacle was inside of this tabernacle. They could still do their worship. They could still send their sacrifices. All this was done by the priest for them. They just couldn't take part in those things, okay? And, and, and I want to say this, even, even today, when, when you look at, at the New Testament, sometimes the Lord puts a standard that we have to meet in order to do certain things in the church. And I think we see this here in the, in the Old Testament, that his standard is these people, he's not denying them worship, but he's denying them to do certain things in certain places, okay? And so he, his, his standard is not for us to question. His standard is for us to comply with, okay? And so that's things that you have to look at in the scripture. And, and uh, if we're not careful, you know, you could look at that and say, well, why wouldn't he let a person? Well, let me tell you this. Isn't it wonderful that Christ died and he became the perfect sacrifice so we don't have to go into there and do these animals anymore. And, and in his dying, he became all-inclusive. He did. The New Testament, when it's about Jesus, says whosoever will. So what he wants you to do now is have the desire to come to him because that's what salvation uh, is made of now. It begins with us coming to him. Actually, it begins by the Father pricking our hearts and, 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 and pointing you toward his son. And it's totally up to you after that. Amen? Jesus said that no man can come unto me except my Father draw him. You think he is lying? I think he was telling you the absolute truth, and I think when when the Lord gets it, it, it not just it don't just apply to salvation, okay? Because the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is in us, that's God too. And so that that same when we don't have the Spirit, it's what you feel that little small voice that you feel that 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 conviction. Actually, before your salvation, you don't feel conviction; you actually feel condemnation. That's why it compels you so strongly to come. And you know, we talk about this all the time, how many of us, when we've heard preaching before, instead of coming to the altar like we were feeling like we needed to do, we'd grab a hope to something and hang up and call it white knuckles. You know, you just, you, you just wouldn't go. That is the drawing of the Father, the creator of everything, trying to get you to go to his son that he sent here to provide salvation and forgiveness for us. That's, that's what that is. And so at that point, it, it's more than just conviction. 
It is a condemnation because if you don't go and you reject that, God help you. Amen? And I'm going to, before we're on this night, and you say, Dear Brother Gary, how'd you get here? This is because this is what Christ changed for us from this time, from these things. And so this condemnation because you're lost. Amen? When, when, before you come to Christ and be saved, you're lost. I don't care how good you are. When you feel that drawing, you're lost. And so it's a condemnation because you are living in darkness. And remember what Jesus said? Uh, he said that uh, in John 3, 17, He said, For God sent not His Son into the world to do what? To condemn the world, but that the world should be saved. But He also says the world is already condemned because they would rather live in darkness than in light. And so when you grab a hold of the back of that pew and you don't come when the Lord, when the Father's compelling you to come to Jesus, you're still in darkness, you're still in condemnation, you're on your way to hell, and unless you let go of that pew and come to Jesus, that's where you're going to leave too. And so that's, that's what is felt that way. And, and why does God want to compel us to do that? Why does He want us to feel that condemnation? The need to, to come to Jesus, to be a part of the light, to be a part of what Christ has to offer us. He, he wants us to come to Him because He's the only way to go to the Father. Jesus said it, 14 and 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto me except or no man cometh unto the Father except by me. So that's why the, the, the Father places so much condemnation on us at the point of, of us being saved because we're still lost in darkness. And that's why you feel the way you do. You feel the need for that salvation, and yet your carnality, your flesh, is saying, I don't want that. Because now I've got to change if I take that. Amen? So there's a, a warfare that goes on, and it's not you're, it's not a warfare with you and the Holy Spirit. It's a warfare with you and the, the Satan that's got a hold of you, and he's not wanting you to go. Now, when you come to Christ, he fills you with his Spirit. <clears throat> Satan's kicked out. He's gone. Now he can still torment you, but he can't get in there no more. He can't he can't get inside of you anymore. He can torment you, and then the Holy Spirit starts dealing with you, not to let him do that. And not to yield to his wives. Any questions about this? And so, what appears that uh, the Lord is is uh, is is holding a grudge is not. He's exacting vengeance, and he he's taking that that is defiled and not letting letting it have have its place uh, in in the congregational worship. Okay. So I hope you understand what I'm trying to tell you. Okay, now he goes from those that are excluded uh, in, in, in the, uh, uh, from the worship of the Lord. Let, let, me, let me give you a scripture real quick while, while we're doing this. Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 through 29. Okay, I'll start at 26. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 29. For you are all the children of God, now listen to this, by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many as of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, 
let me tell you this, he's not talking about being baptized in water. You don't get put you don't get Christ put on you in that baptistry back there. Is that that is that confusing to anybody? The, the, the two baptisms in the scripture, one is water, one is spirit. And so the spirit baptism is what he's talking about. That's what baptizes you into Jesus Christ. When, when the spirit baptizes you, he enters into you. And Christ lives in you, but you also live in him now. That's what he's talking about. So he says, for as many as you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That, that means that if you don't have all your body parts and he saves you that way, you're still one in him. That's what Christ brought to us. That was what he did. He fulfilled all of these obligations and all of these denials to worship. He fulfilled every bit of that and he took all that away. Amen. And he made it possible for us to come no matter whether we're whole or not. We're whole in him whether we're whole in body or not. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? And not only that, we're whole in him no matter what our past holds from us. No matter what you did in your past, you become whole in him when he baptizes you into himself by the Spirit. We serve an awesome God. And we live in a New Testament era. And I'm glad are you? Amen. That we get to know Jesus Christ this way. Right. Amen. I'm glad. I know y'all got to be thinking some stuff here. Let me finish reading this scripture. And if you be Christ, Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and you are heirs according to the promise that was given to Abraham. Isn't that wonderful? We, we have become not only heirs, joint heirs with Jesus, we are also heirs to that promise that was made to Abraham that through him all nations would be blessed. Jesus is that blessing. He is that fulfillment of that promise. The second fulfillment of promise is the Holy Spirit being given to us, and that's what the book of Acts tells us. He, Jesus told them before he ascended, he said, go ye back into the city and wait on the promise of the Father. And what did they go in there and wait on? The Spirit. Amen. So, so Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all of this works. It's the promise of the Father, furnished through the Son, and given to you through the Spirit. That's the promise of God. That is the fulfillment of God's plan. This is the mystery that, that Paul said, I know the answer to. And because we are saved and filled with the Spirit, we know this mystery too. This is a great mystery. And you say, well, who's it a mystery to? You go ask the Jewish people that don't know Christ and see what they tell you he is. Amen? And so they don't believe what Christ is. So it's all still a mystery to them. Now when the Gentile church is taken out of the way and we're raptured away, then salvation is going to come to the Jewish people. The, the, every bit of it turns back to the Jewish people because the church is gone. Amen? And, and all focus is going to be on them. There's lots of focus on them right now. Can you imagine in this country if it weren't for the New Testament church what our government, how they would look at Israel? Amen? How they would look at them. 
And when that church is gone, they ain't going to look kindly on Israel. They're going to be with the rest of the world and won't be. Because it's going to be a, a, an authoritative place because that's what all the Muslim people want was there. And whoever controls Jerusalem controls the Muslim world. Amen? That's why they don't want Israel to have it. But they've got it. Listen to me. As of three years ago, they have it officially. And all the world now, even the Muslim nations, have recognized it belongs to them. They don't, they don't want it to belong to them, and they'll take it when they can. But they know that it belonged to him, and everybody moved their, their stuff to, to Jerusalem now because it is set up as the official capital now instead of Tel Aviv. And that's where all the people go. And so that's what it's all about, is about that place that every one of them claim belongs to them because of the promise made to Abraham. See, because they all come from him too. And so they trace that back. I don't know where this came from. But, but Jesus took away all these things that, that keep us from worship and made it possible for us to worship because we've been baptized into him by the Spirit of God. Don't tell me it's not important if you have the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, I was talking to Brother Troy, and he told me, Brother Gary said, I just never uh, realized the importance of the Holy Spirit until I started coming to church at Lake Country. He said, because where I used to go, they didn't preach the importance of the Holy Spirit. I said, the importance of it? You're not saved without it. And how could it not be preached? I don't understand that. And so anyway, that's something we need to always remember. And that's why I'm always telling people, don't be ashamed to say, Lord, fill me again. Give me more. I want more. Do you want more? Yeah. The more of Christ you have, don't make your life easier. Amen? The more of Him you learn about. And the more you learn about Him, the more you know how to please Him. And let me tell you what, it ain't about pleasing the world. It's about pleasing Him. And those that please Him is going to hear, well done. Amen? Amen? You're not going to hear well done for pleasing the world. You're going to hear well done because you have pleased Him. And that's what well done means. You have pleased me. You have made me happy. You have done what I asked you to do. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. And as a reward for that well done, you're going to get to live with Him for eternity because He's going to say, come enter into my rest. Those are the words we all better pray we hear said to us. Amen. Amen? That's what we're that's what we're living for. That's what we're here tonight for. That's why we go to church and that's why we've been saved. And that's why we have to live those lives to hear those words. I got to preach at that funeral today and and, and I got to preach to uh, a lot of people who, who just don't go to church. And, and I gave them God's plan of salvation. I gave them God's plan of salvation. And I told them, I said, you, from the day you're born to the day you die is when you live for Christ. What you do in that time span, where it's five years, 10 years, 50 years, 70 years, or 100 years, what you do in that time span determines where you're going to spend eternity. That's why it's important to learn to live for Jesus. And this whole idea that we can get saved and live for the world is, is hogwash. It's not even scriptural. And anybody that's got that mindset, I doubt if they even know Jesus. 
because they would know he's not pleased with that. Because the word says, come out from, the, from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord. We're not supposed to be like the world. Amen? Amen? All right. Somebody read for me verses 7 through 9. Thou shalt not abhor an Edomite, for he is thy brother. Thou shalt not abhor an Egyptian, because thou wast a stranger in his land. The children that are begotten of them shall enter into the congregation of the Lord in their third generation. When the host goes forth against thine enemies, then keep thee from every wicked thing. Okay, so he's talking about now people, persons who are included in the congregation who are not Israelites, okay? Who are not Jewish people. And, and you know, you would you would think, would, uh, would you not think that the Edomites, do y'all know who the Edomites are? Esau's descendants. That's Esau's descendants. Now, who was Esau? Jacob's brother. He was Jacob's brother. Who was Jacob? Israel. He was Israel. God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Jacob meant deceiver, and he changed his name to Israel. And so Esau was his twin brother. Okay? For those of y'all that don't know that. And, and the Lord told them when they came through the wilderness journey, do not go over and monkey with Edom. Do not monkey with Esau. Don't, and he gave a reason. What was it? Y'all remember? I do. He said, because they are your brethren. Amen? Amen. That's what he said. And, and so don't mess with them. They're your brothers. Because Jacob and Esau were twin brothers. And so he says here, he said, do not abhor the Edomite or Esau's brother. And he says it again, for he is your brother. Now, what does that tell us about today's world? We, we have this unity thing and some people are part and some people are not. And, and the whole idea behind this is we are brothers. And, and the only ones that I see showing up are the ones that proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They all baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now they may have a little different ideas and, and ways of worship. They may do that. But the Bible tells me that no man can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. And so what does that make them? If they have the Spirit of God, the same Spirit we have, and worship the same Savior we worship, who are they? It don't make no difference whether they're Israelite or Edomite. The Lord said you are brothers. It don't make no difference if you're a Baptist or Nazarene. The Lord says you are brothers. Oh, boy, I'm getting on some shaky ground here now, aren't I? Brothers in Christ. Brothers in Jesus. And when you read in, in, in 1 Corinthians, it tells you that we're different. We have differences. We don't only have differences. We have differences of, of administrative things. We have differences in the way we promote worship. We, have, we are different, yet we serve one God by the same Spirit, he said. And, and we need to get down off our high horse and quit saying, we're Baptists and we got it going on. The rest of them just lagging behind. Amen? Jesus Christ don't allow that, by the way. 
He says, I want you to include the brethren. I want you to come together as brethren. I want you to worship me as brethren. Now, let me ask you a question. Why is it important that we start all coming together, all of us who believe in Jesus Christ, that he's the son of God, that he lived, he died, he, he rose again, that he's coming back, that he, he is, uh, and we baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. We all agree that we have a great commission that we're to go into all the world and proclaim him. And we all agree on this stuff. Why is it important we come together now? Stand. Because we can't stand separated. A house divided. A house divided against itself will not stand. Amen. And who is the author of the division? And who is the author of confusion? Who has divided us? Satan. Satan. Now we can blame it on the people back in the Reformation, that back during the days of Martin Luther and the breakaway from the Roman Catholic Church. We can blame all them when they said, well, we're going to start breaking away from this church. And, and then they got together in little puddles and they said, well, I don't believe this, so I'm going to build back to it. I don't believe this, so I'm going to... And that's exactly what happened. Who did that? God? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You say, well... Are you saying, Brother Gary, that these churches are founded by Satan? Mm -mm. I'm saying they're divided by Satan. That's right. And the only one that can put us back together is Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He's the one. Amen. And that's why He's given us the Word to show us. And that's why even in the Old Testament, He said... Thou shalt not abhor Edom, for he is your brother. And then he gave another one. And Egypt in the scripture is, is used to describe the world a lot. But here, it's not used that way. Here, if you'll look at it, he says, Thou shalt not abhor Egypt. And he gives a reason. Why? Because you were a stranger in his land. Now it ended up that God had to pretty much destroy Egypt to get his people out. But how did it start off? How did it start off? God placed Joseph in Egypt to save Israel. He put him in Egypt, which is a picture of Jesus Christ coming to this world and saving us. So he put Joseph in Egypt to save Israel and then he brought Israel to Egypt to be saved from starvation. Now think about these things. And then you go into the New Testament that I just read to you from Galatians a while ago and he, and he gives the reason he said because you were a stranger in his land and, and he accepted you as a stranger and you accept him that way. Okay, that's what he's saying. Yeah. You accept him that way. And, and, uh, and so we need to understand that, you know, Jesus made a remark one time that I have thought about and thought about and thought about and thought about. I don't know if you've ever thought about it or not. But when he was talking to his, uh, his uh, apostles one day, he told them he had other sheep. Didn't he? Y'all remember that? Amen. You think he was just saying that to be saying that? 
Do you believe if he said he had other sheep, he did? He wasn't talking about those apostles. He said, I have other sheep. Amen? When Elijah felt all alone, said, I'm the only one left. What did God tell him? No, he's not. I got 7,000 people down there in that city. You don't even know who they are. They serve me. They don't serve Baal. He's got other sheep. God's at work around us. He ain't just at work with us. He's not just at work at Lake Country Baptist Church. God is at work everywhere, and he never stops working. He never sleeps. He don't slumber, and he sees every bit of it, and he knows the hearts of everybody sitting in the church house, no matter what's on the sign. He sees them and sees their hearts, and he knows if he's king of that heart or not. Amen? And we don't get to make that decision for him. Also saw a group of other people that were casting out devils and, and, and healing the sick and all. And it said, should we stop it? And he said, no, if they're, you know, those that are for us aren't against us. Right. That's what he said. Yeah. That's what he said. If they're for us, then they're not against us. And so we have to be careful when we play exclusion Christianity. It is so quiet in here. But when he said, when he said, like, I have other sheep that's not of this fold. That's what he said. Is that like the Nazarenes or the Church of God or the Presbyterian or the Catholics? Or If I answered that, I'd tell you, I'd have to tell you, let me do this. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. Because the Bible don't tell us. He just told them that. But he's not talking to denominations. No. The Church of Christ and Baptist, that's denomination. God wasn't talking to denominations. He, he, don't, he don't know denomination. He said, on this rock, I'm going to build my church and then put an S on the end of it. Denominations is a man. That's right. It, it's, a, it's a man-made division. It's to separate, and, and listen to me, it, it's a man-made division because men want to control these flocks. Amen. God has not called a single <coughs> preacher to control the flock. He is the head of the church, Jesus Christ. Amen. And if I'm anything, I, Brother Gene always told, described it to me, and by the way, Brother Gene is my pastor for about 27 years. <coughs> And he told me, he said, Gary, the best way I can, understand, I can describe who I am in Christ is that I'm an under-shepherd. I work under the great shepherd. And you know what I told him? I said, well, I'm glad you're a shepherd. I'm a dog, <laughs> a sheep dog. And that's the way I feel. And my job is to kind of herd. <laughs> you know, that's what the sheepdog does. Second boy, go get them. And that's who we really are. We have, the Bible says we have one shepherd, doesn't it? Amen. We have one shepherd, and that's him. And so, uh, and I'm not belittling Brother Gene for saying that, but that was his way of describing he is under the authority of Christ always. And every, every one of us in reality is. 
But the, the preacher that has been called of God and sent by God to proclaim the word of God is held to a standard similar to that of a teacher who says, I will teach. God holds me accountable for what I preach. And he not, now listen to this, what I mean by that, what I preach must be accurate as I can get it. And I don't ever think that preachers know everything. I don't know, remember? And what we got to keep from doing is saying we know what we don't know. And preaching what we don't know. And teaching what we don't know. Because the Bible sometimes about certain things don't give us enough information. And so we develop a theory or an idea that this is what I think it means. And we need to always clarify that when we're teaching. This is what I think it means. Now Isaiah, when he wrote, what was his favorite saying? Thus says the word of God. He got it from God, he wrote it down. Amen? And, and so when you read that in the New Testament and it says that, it usually came from Isaiah, a quote from Isaiah. Because that's the way he always said things. Thus says the word of God and he wrote it down. Amen? There was no doubt that it was God and it was no doubt what he wrote down is what God told him and he wrote it down for us to look at. And so when, as a preacher, we need to always say, now this is the scripture, and this, this thus says the word of God. And this is what we can hang our hat on. But when we start trying to interpret it a different way than the way it's intended to, to, to suit the way we want it to be, then we're going to get in trouble. Amen? And at the same time, as members of the congregation listen to the preacher, we need to be studying the Word so that we know that He has given it to us right. You need to know a counterfeit, phony, lying, two-timing, deceiving, disgusting preacher. You need to know it. You need to be able to recognize Him because that man is not a preacher, a servant sent from God. He is a preacher sent from Satan himself. And he will lie, deceive, and he will tell you things that he perceives as truth and it's not. That's right. That's right. Amen. Yeah, the Bible's pretty plain on that. We we don't we can't know all that God knows. Amen. We we can't know all that God knows. But God has not disguised His Word. He's made it simple simple so that anybody, Kerrigan, can understand the Word of God. You know what she needs to understand it? The same thing I need to understand it. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Yeah. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit, according to Christ, you believe in Jesus, he said he will lead you and guide you into all truth. Whatever I have said, he will show it to you. Whatever I have said, he will bring it to your remembrance. Whatever I have said, he will help you understand what it is. Amen. That's why the Holy Spirit is, is so uh, critical to our development as a Christian. But you have to put out an effort to study it. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because we must believe that He is and, what's the rest of that? That He is a rewarder of those that do what? Diligently seek Him. That means seek Him with all of your heart. And when He stands to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, 
He, he expects you by the Spirit of God to take him at heart and take time and study his word and the Holy Spirit's going to reveal the truth of that word. And that's what makes you approved unto God that you rightly divide the word of truth. Now will you get all the answers? We never will. But we can get some of them. Amen. Amen. How, how many of you read the Word every day? <coughs> how many of you study the Word? There's a difference between reading the Word and studying the Word. We're reading it tonight and studying it what we've read. So you see the difference. So don't, don't never pin yourself down and say, I'm going to read a chapter every day. You ain't going to study a chapter. There's some days when I'm writing, I might get to there's some days I've studied one verse. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. There's some days I've studied two verses. Oh, Brother Sam won't read over three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it takes a long time to go through all of those A, B's, and ones and twos and go one chapter to yeah. all back and forth. Yeah. It takes forever. And, and you know what? He. There's some people that don't may not even live long enough to study the whole Bible. But we're supposed to strike and we're supposed to keep up with it and we're supposed to try our best. Paul, you remember what Paul said? He went into the wilderness and he came, he didn't even go into Jerusalem and he waited three and a half years. He studied now, the Old Testament. He didn't have the New Testament, he didn't have the Gospels. He studied the Old Testament for three and a half years because everything he had been taught was wrong. And so he studied it three and a half years before he ever went and talked to Peter or James or John. And when he went there, he wanted to make sure that what the Spirit had shown him in the wilderness as he studied was the same thing they had learned as they walked with Jesus Christ. And it was proof to him that the one he encountered, because see, he didn't see Jesus. He heard him, but he didn't see him. All he saw was light. Because that's who he is right now. He's all light. And when he saw him, when he saw this light, Jesus told him who he was. I am, what did he tell him? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. That's what he said. And so he wanted to, he, he knew that he had done wrong. All that stuff he was doing, he had righteous indignation. Let me tell you, there is no such thing as carnal righteous indignation. We don't get to go out and do vengeance for God. You believe that? Let me give you a scripture. There's a scripture over here. If I can find it within three minutes, I'm going to win. You're going to get through this chapter. God help me. James chapter 1, verse 20. Listen to this. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of of God. God don't need you taking things out on people. He don't need you getting mad and whipping somebody over him. Amen? Y'all circle that in your Bible. The next time you shake you get up in the church and shake your fist, I'll show y'all something. Uh -uh. That's not that there's no such thing as carnal righteous indignation. Listen to me. <laughs> God ain't a respecter of people. And he don't put one of us above the other. But he's not really talking about that. 
He's talking about he's not going to judge one of us and let somebody off the hook because of who they are. Ask Moses. One uh-oh. <laughs> one uh-oh. Just one. All the good that he did that one time. At one time. I got tickled. I saw something. Y'all may have seen this uh, on the on on Facebook. And they they say this teacher got up there and she went on a little multiplication table. Uh, one times nine, two times nine, three. And she got all the way through nine times nine. And she started it off and she got on the chalkboard and I think she's fourth or fifth grade teacher and all the kids is behind her. And she puts one times nine equals seven. And she goes all the way down and she gets every one of the rest of them right. And the kids start laughing and giggling and making fun of her. And she just keeps writing and keeps writing and keeps writing. And she gets down to nine times nine is 81. And, and all of them still just busted out laughing. They think she just goofed up and don't know what she did on purpose. And she turned around and she said, what are y'all laughing about? So he said, you missed the first one. He, she said, I want to make a point. You can get nine out of 10 right and miss one, and all y'all see is the one I missed. <laughs> all you see is the one I missed. You don't see the rest of them I got right. And, and if we're not careful, that's the way we'll do people. Amen. Listen to me. We, everybody in this room has done some good, good things for the cause of Jesus Christ. They have been led by the Spirit. They have helped people. They have helped feed people. They have given people out of their pockets to help them survive and to get through hard times. They've taken them to the hospitals. They've gone to visit with them. They've done good. They've gone and mowed their yards. They've done and went and cleaned their houses. They went and cooked and brought food to them. They've done some good. But you let them make one mistake and everybody will turn on them and get the rocks ready. I'm God help us not to be those people. Right. Amen. Forbear. My new favorite word. Forbear one another. In the faith. Amen. Forbear your brother. Love your brother. And don't take wrath out on him. Because it does nothing for the righteousness of God. God can take care of his own punishment. Amen. Amen. Took care of it. Ain't no need us messing with it. That's right. Alright, y'all. We're going to stop right here in verse 10. we got ten whole, uh, nine whole verses tonight. And it's all, my, it's all need us fault. <laughs> what is today anyway? Twelve. So it's going to be the 19th. We'll start verse 10 of chapter 23. And we'll see if we can't get through with that. And I promise y'all, when we get through with Deuteronomy, we will be through with the law. We're going to get in the New Testament and get right in them Gospels. And we're going to learn some good stuff. Real good. But this right here sets up the Gospels. This law that we studied in Genesis through Deuteronomy is what Jesus said, I didn't come to change. Did you hear me? He said, I didn't come. To, he said it. I didn't. He said, I didn't come to change it. I came to fulfill it. And that's why all these things is not allowed and not accepted anymore through Christ. He's made a way for us to be there.
man, woman, or child, no matter what color, no matter what nationality, he made a way for us to be in the congregation of the Lord. That's our Lord. That's who we serve. And I just thank God he's, he has called each and every one of you and you've responded to him and he saved you. Any comments? I sure do love y'all. We sure do love you too. And we appreciate you letting God lead you. We just don't know where God's You know, y'all say that he lead me. Y'all just don't know sometimes he kicks me. Okay, I'm not saying you don't have to jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'm not different from you. Sometimes you have to be drugged. And, but listen to me, not by him. Are you listening? Listen to me. Jesus don't drag you anywhere. That's my part as a brother, is to drag you. Amen? Amen. That's your part as a brother to drag me sometimes. Jesus don't do that. He don't drag you anywhere and He don't force Himself on you. And so as that's the part of the church that we, we leave out and that's the part sitting on the couch watching it on TV of never going to get you any help. Are you listening to me? There are people that's preaching to you on TV and don't want to send you help. They want you to give it to them. You need the church to spur you on, to add you on, to drag you along. Say, wait a minute, you don't because you love them. You pick them up and say, hey, come here. I'll, don't do that. Look at this. Look at the word here. Don't do that. You're going to get in trouble. That's sin. Don't do, let's don't do that. <laughs> that sounds silly, doesn't it? That's God's way. Amen. That's why he said this, By all men know you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. Sometimes love is correction. Amen. I love you. Y'all stand up. I'm going to have to quit. That'll be my another sermon. Kerrigan, I just love you. Good to see you now. Amen. <laughs> Brother Sam, would you dismiss it, please? I thought I'd do one. Thank you for this privilege of being able to come together and hear your word taught and proclaimed. The Lord, we just ask you to always give us the ears to hear, hearts being willing to accept what thus says the word of God. Lord, you've heard every prayer request that's been made this evening. You know who they are. You know the ones that suffer loss. The pastor, the loved ones. Lord, you know who all is on the prayer list from Sunday to Sunday. We just ask you to bless, be merciful. Meet all these needs according to your will. Be with us in those separate ways again. Forgive us for we fail you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.